perfect. Such good music. Every Hi, time Brooke. I listen to it, I just want to be like, oh, thanks, Jonah. Thank Hold you, on. This Jonah. is going to be obnoxious. Okay, it wasn't. Thank All God. Right, perfect. Um, yeah, thanks, Jonah. Thanks for hooking us up. Um, Brooke, I'm in, a, I'm in a weird mood, man. Elaborate. Yeah, I'm going to fuck with you here. Okay, um, ready. Uh, yeah, for those that don't know, like, Brooke's been posting some shit. Which is funny on... because <laughs> I have posted two things and that is it. And it is the most that I've, I think I've ever posted about it. Yeah, but like they're, it's not that they're so controversial or anything like that. But the amazing thing is, is like they spark so many conversations that you and I have. And I feel like even if you just post one thing, like it's 10 days of different random fucking conversations. Thoughts, yeah, and conversations <laughs> like, for sure. Um, uh, let's just, let's, let, I mean, let's break out here for okay. a second. Um, I, I'm Seth. This is my wife, Brooke. Hi. And we have our own podcast. And For it's, funsies. Yeah, fuck. It's just full of so many random things. We talk about so much stupid shit yes. all the time. Sometimes the time. it's sexual, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes it's not, though. Sometimes it's controversial. Sometimes it's a little weird. Birth control. Uh, we've talked about birth control. We've talked about the COVID-19. We've talked about COVID nineteen. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, we've talked so about so we, sick and tired of people on social media like box. calling it oh, anything actually, other than COVID nineteen. It annoys the shit out of me. We actually haven't talked about monkeypox. Oh, we haven't, and we haven't talked about the new COVID nineteen updates either. Dude, I don't want to talk about any of it. Okay, I do want to make a funny joke though. Is um, it about it's married about men? It's about monkeypox. Okay. Um. I made this joke to a coworker not too long ago, mm-hmm. um, but he's one of those like really paranoid people that's always like worried about shit, you know, coming okay. to get us as humans, our little pandemics, if oh, you okay. will. And he was like, <laughs> he was going off about this monkeypox. He was like, yeah, monkeypox, man. Oh, I'm worried about it. I might have to go get vaccinated. And I started laughing. That's cute. And he was like, it's not funny, man. It's real. Like, it's affecting people. And I just started laughing. And I was like, bro, aren't you married? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And I was like, to a woman? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, then how are you going to get monkeypox? You know, it's just God punishing the gays, right? Oh and dude, he he did not think that joke of was funny. Of course, he didn't think that was like, funny. <laughs> I, I I of course thought it was fucking hilarious because I'm oh, a savage. Okay, I, that's not the joke I've been telling at work, but I've, <laughs> I've been telling a, a relative joke of like that meme that says like doctors don't know how he avoids it. Annabelle, baby. Why are you out of your bed? All right, give me just one more hug. One more hug, apparently. We just can't live without it. What? Tomorrow morning, you and I will do a special recording session, and I'll even upload it, okay? All right, go to bed, baby. Oh my gosh. She is so cute. She's adorable. But she's she plays also on the you. Worst. Yep. 
But that bitch. that meme that's going around of like doctors don't know how he avoids it, avoids the monkeypox, like, and it's just a married dude, <laughs> to women. like he's married to a woman with dude, kids, for real. like just avoid the monkeypox, ninety percent avoidance rate. They're all like, we gotta get in line and get vaccinated, like, or just stop fucking other dudes in the ass. That's like, the craziest <laughs> part. Is the fucking CDC said that? That's. That's how insane and incredibly fucking stupid monkeypox is. They're like, hey, gay guys, can you not fuck as many gay guys as you are? Like, they, they technically said limit your sexual partners, but like, that's. I mean, read between the lines. They're like, hey, stop can being you quit promiscuous. Fucking? That'd be great. Yeah, could you just stop fucking around? Like, <laughs> it's not funny anymore. <laughs> I mean, it is. So funny. <laughs> Fuck. To be fair, nothing against gays. I just think it's no, funny. No, it's... Yeah. It's funny. Anyway. Um, moving forward. Moving on. Uh, savage shit is going on in our lives. Doesn't matter. It's not that actually savage. We're just fucking doing work and stuff. Um, But I had this random fucking deal today where... You know, Brooke had posted some shit a couple of times, and it, of course, sparked great conversations between me and my wife, mm -hmm. um, who was raised LDS. A.K.A. Mormon. Okay, yeah. Well, and it's, it's you're not I allowed to not. say Mormon anymore. As well, yeah. of, like, six years ago, the new prophet was, God like... God forbid, right? Literally. <laughs> using, using the name Mormon is aiding in lucifer's agenda mm, sacrilegious yeah Perfect. pretty much i like it all yep. right but we'll discuss it uh using the term lds sure how about that sure try and sanctimoniously save your soul nope. um <laughs> i bought it back it doesn't need save damn it <laughs> uh so anyway what i've got in front of me is um of course, Wikipedia, because that's the best place to get unfiltered knowledge. Um, and, you know, obviously we're not citing Wikipedia as the knower of all, but I'm going to use it as kind of like some of the information guidelines. Okay. Uh, we're going to use Brooks' intimate knowledge of... In memories. Where she grew up, what she was doing, and all that shit. And we're going to talk about what I found as the... Top 10 biggest controversies of the Mormon slash LDS church. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about some of this stuff. Um, basically, just, you know, like, you know, Brooks knowledge uh, versus Wikipedia versus whatever else I can duck, duck, go at the time. Right. Well, also remembering my knowledge is one being raised in it 100% since birth. So biased. Definitely. Yeah. Um, baptized at eight, young women's at 12. I graduated seminary. I also. How many? So, how many years of seminary? Four. Four years of seminary. Four full okay. years of seminary. A year of studying, a so school year studying. Is it, so, it's not 365, it's a school year. Yeah, so, so, four it's a semesters. Yep, four semesters. Each semester. No, not a semester. Two semesters? Two semesters worth, an entire school year. How many semesters are in a school year? Three. Two? Two. Two. 
I think two. Two? But dude, I've been out of school All for like spring almost semester? 20 years. <laughs> it's so long. <laughs> two semesters. All right. Two semesters. So, so a school year. Eight, for so the, you did eight semesters of seminary. Yeah. So a school year for the Old Testament, a school year for the New Testament, a school year for the Book of Mormon, and a school year for the Doctrine of All Covenants. right. So you did a school year for the Old Testament and the New Testament of which um, Bible? Uh, New King James Version. You guys use the New King James Version? Yeah. Is that the Mormon approved New King James Version or Indeed. the same one as the one everyone else buys if they I'm go buy the New King James Version? I'm assuming it's the same one, but my assumption is probably incorrect because Mormons only ever buy theirs from the Mormon bookstore. Okay, so it might be modified, might not. We don't yeah. know. All right, fair enough. Pretty sure it is modified because the reference points include Book of Mormon. In the bottom. Well, I, I mean, it could just be a, you know, a like a study. It book. could be like the same book, uh, but in the reference section of the book, they reference the Doctrine and Covenants, the Book of Mormon, instead exactly. of referencing other shit. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um. So we've established your background. Uh, born and raised. Yep. In the LDS Church. Oh, I also graduated with my Young Women's Medallion, which is the female equivalent of an Eagle Scout. Which I found out this week, they're not doing it anymore, apparently. Really? They got rid of the program. Well, it's because, you know, women are less than men. It was a requirement to get into BYU. Wow. Yeah. Dude, like, here's the solid question. Like, are women actually, like, lower on the totem pole than men? In the Mormon religion? Well, according to the LDS. Yes. Well, and, and could you quantify that? I'm going to quantify it in the fact that, like, in the church, women will say that, like, well, there's nothing more important than, what's the exact words that they use? Um, multiplying and replenishing the earth. Can you quote, like, a specific person, or is that, like, just the... A Repeated te- daily? A, a teaching in general. A teaching in general. Okay. Multiply and replenish the earth. And that is like a very common phrase, but also a teaching. Did your mom, like not to call your mom out. Yeah. You know, in singular out or anything, but did your mom reinforce any of that concept of like your purpose on this earth is to multiply and procreate? Oh yeah. Really? But there is no greater gift than to be a mother and to be married in the temple. I mean, I would, I would argue from a man's point of view as a, you know, very Mm -hmm. open-minded equal opportunity man that, you know, you do have a gift bestowed upon you. um, Of bearing children. To to, to be a mother. To be a mother. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm going to say women are less in the church and the... LDS religion simply due to the fact that women aren't allowed to do anything without a man's permission. And I mean anything. So like that old joke that I learned years ago from a friend of mine who was raised in the LDS. Is um, 110% true. Of only through me. Yeah. Could you expand upon that? When you, now mind you, I never got my endowments taken out. Which is a blessing slash ritual that you do in the temple, either when you turn 18 and or before you get married in the temple. So for most people, it's 18 years old. Because for men, 
they went on mission. So you have to get them pulled before you have them have the ritual done before you go on your mission. And okay. for women, you have to get it done before you get married. So it's basically 18. Can we define endowment? Not really. Would you like me to look it up? Yeah. All right. Um, so an endowment, it's like a, it's like a blessing. It's like the patriarchal blessing that you get, but like a bigger version in, in the temple. Right. Um, it's also when you receive your garments, I think uh, that's the biggest part of it is you, you say your oaths and you get your garments and you. Okay. So like I would look here. I, so like I, I got multiples. Um, so from Wikipedia Mm -hmm. in Mormonism, the endowment is a two part ordinance designed for participants to become Kings, Queens, priests, and priestesses in the afterlife. As part of the first ceremony, participants take part in a scripted reenactment of the biblical creation and fall of Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. So that's Wikipedia. Uh, according to church of Jesus Christ.org, We are looking at the endowment is a religious ceremony administered in temples of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is available to adult church members who are prepared for this sacred experience. A.K.A. worthy. The endowment provides instruction, covenants, and promised blessings that offer power, purpose, and protection in daily life. Yep. Sound about right? Also garments. Power, purpose, and protection. Part That is... The garment side of it, like, because you wear it and hold it daily. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so not so not having gotten my endowments, but basically, yes, your joke is... God damn it. Bless you. Your joke is accurate in the fact that when you die and you are sealed to your spouse, right? When you die, you go into... Limbo? Spirit heaven. But then when you eventually go to the Celestial Kingdom, yep, Celestial Kingdom, <laughs> okay. then your your husband goes through first after doing the correct handshakes. Handshake through the veil. Yep. And then he reaches back through the veil to you and you take his hand and he guides you through the veil. Right. So the joke of only through me. Women are not allowed to go to the celestial kingdom, and neither are men technically, unless you are married. However, men are allowed to take multiple women through the veil. Ah, indeed. Of course, obviously. But of course. Because <laughs> why wouldn't we? Um, all right. Well, that's cool because that's a that's an awesome segue. So we've we've got the we've got your history. We know your knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Um, we would we would affirmatively say at this point that you are well versed yep in lds and we could therefore call you not quite an expert maybe definitely not an expert um but uh but definitely a justifiable witness indeed okay cool um because question number two i found a pretty solid website called the top tens.com and this website specializes in top tens Top 10 worst food poisoning events in history. Oh top God. 10 movies of 2022. Top 10 best video games. Was Banner, was uh, Under the Banner of Heaven in there Fuck. in 2022? Fucking hell. Like, I'd have to actually click on the link. <laughs> okay, you don't have to. 
best digital camera brands, all that shit. Oh best gosh. home workout. Okay, programs. okay, okay. Continue. He's trying to sell this website to people because it dope. looks dope. All right, so I'm going to read you a little bit, uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna go through some of these, and I just I I kind of want I I want your commentary for sure. Okay, go for it. All right, so top ten biggest controversies of the Mormon LDS Church. Um, quick background: The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, or Mormons, is a religion mired in controversy from the church's beginnings in 1820, with the first vision of Joseph Smith, its founder, to a present-day membership of over 15 million people. The church has faced countless obstacles and controversies. Correct. Every religion has faced persecution at some point or another and is almost and almost every religion has some historical baggage. The LDS church is no exception and has since its founding in 1830 weird been constantly trying to outrun its murky and somewhat shady practices. Why did you say weird? Well, because in the first paragraph, they said from the church's beginnings in 1820 with the first vision of Joseph Smith. And then since its founding in 1830, like, so because Joseph Smith was 14 years old when he had the first vision. God, see, it's like your knowledge already is far (laughs) surpassed mine. Um, anyway, uh, so below are some of the most controversial doctrines, historical occurrences and blunders that the Mormon church has tried to either cover up or downplay. Mm-hmm. I won't provide a full explanation as each item is capable of filling a book in itself, but suffice it to say that Google search will provide adequate background and additional <laughs> research. So we're going to like okay. skip the Google search. We're just going to go through some of these things. I would like to recognize the author real quick, but as it turns out, the page doesn't do sp- so. This, this page doesn't cite the author. So I will just remind you that this is from the top tens.com. Okay. Uh, they wrote the article. Uh, so let's go through some of the top tens. Let's start with number one. My favorite. Oh my. Actually, it's not. Uh, the family history of Joseph Smith. Um, And I'll just give you this quick little paragraph right here. The Smith family has a well-documented, for the time, history of being involved with magic, treasure hunting, magic parchment slash daggers, using peep stones, etc. The church has tried to downplay the accounts and documents related to these practices in an effort to uphold the spotless image of its founding prophet. Mm -hmm. Brooke. So... When I was Mormon, I had no clue about any of that. Mm-hmm. Didn't know about a single thing. So they didn't teach you about the history of Joseph Smith? Not about his family history or the fact that he had a clearly documented history of treasure hunting, of using seer stones. It's interesting, called a peep stone. Seer stones mm-hmm. to find treasure and whatnot. But Can you tell us... Um, do they teach you about seer stones in the church? No. So the church's teachings is that Joseph Smith, or excuse me, used to be that Joseph Smith found the plates and then he translated the plates using the Urim and Thummim. Mm-hmm. And then getting out of the church... Yerman Thummim, um, 
Definition. Nephi and Lehi in the Book of Mormon traveled from Jerusalem to the New Continent, a.k.a. the Americas, Mm -hmm. using the Urim and Thummim. It's a source of divine guidance. So like a like a biblical magic artifact. Yes. Okay. Yes. So he used a mythical magic artifact that was buried with the gold plates because the gold plates are a collection of Nephi and his descendants throughout the Americas and Mormon is the one who buried them in the box that Joseph Smith found. Okay. That's why Mormon was the one who collected all of them together and scribed them onto gold plates. That's why it's called the Book of Mormon. Okay, cool. All right, so they didn't actually teach you about the family history of Joseph Smith while you were in the church. No, I found out three years ago that Joseph Smith used a seer stone in a hat to quote-unquote translate the Book of Mormon and that no one actually saw the gold plates there are two to three testaments of people who stated that they had seen the golden plates and then there is if you google the 167 missing pages it's like a huge teaching in the mormon church of the fact that like joseph smith translated 167 pages and the person who is helping him translate it's right here Where's it at? Um, wanted to show other people to prove that it was, in fact, was it Oliver Cowdery or Martin? I think it was Oliver Cowdery. I can't remember which one it was. But he took it to his wife to like prove the legitimacy of what it was he was doing. And then it ended up getting lost or stolen. And it was then that man was punished by God via the word of Joseph Smith because of his unrighteousness. Huh. It was a big deal in okay. the church. Interesting. All right. So no, um, nobody taught me about seer stones. I had no idea that Joseph Smith ever did treasure hunting. You know what's crazy about that is like when I first was introduced to your family, mm-hmm. it was one of the first things that I Googled. Joseph Smith? Yeah. And it popped up? Yeah. You know what's insane well, is I had never Googled Joseph Smith. Do you know why? Why? Well, because your brother had kind of like talked to me about it, right? Because like the first, one Did of the, fir- one of my, bef- one of my first interactions with your family um, was your, your brother actually invited me over for supper. Dean? Yeah. Yeah. And... I, I, I remember it because like you guys did the whole like, uh, family prayer and like scripture study, scripture study thing to which we did every night. It wasn't a special occasion because Seth was there. No, every, I, yeah I, yeah, I picked up on that. Just, just for others, like every dinner single of night. macaroni and cheese and hot dogs. Um, <laughs> pretty sure I made it <laughs> with anyway. Uh, what it, so what I found interesting though, um, it was your brother. Which one? Dean. Okay. Of course, I had questions. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, Because nobody sits down to a Mormon well, family but, evening and goes, "I all of my questions are answered. Well, like, there's nothing but questions. No, it was primarily because, like, um, I had always assumed, because I had 
I had LDS friends growing up, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and I, I actually stopped going to church uh, because of an LDS friend. That's the primary reason? Like, that was the, the straw? That was the straw that uh, broke the back. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. I invited a friend of mine, um, whom a lot of people know. He's an accomplished tattoo artist. Um, to a one Lord Sunday kind of event, mm-hmm. um, that they were having at the church that we were attending at the time, uh, which was like a youth concert, you mm-hmm. know, a bunch of teenagers, like a safe space. I'm going to guess he said no, cause no, he, was he breaking went the Sabbath. Oh, no, he went, he wanted nice. to go. Um, and when we got there though, we went through this really bad experience with a pastor and a youth minister and bunch of idiots a laying of hands and a lot of just real weird oh at your church yeah um thing where you know they made my friend feel really uncomfortable they made me feel really uncomfortable and i ended up rebuking them like i was like you guys are clearly not christians like you're you're hating on my friend because he's from a different religion and yet he's here to worship with us you know and uh, so it it ultimately drove me away from church. Um, it was one of the one of the final straws for me. But yeah. So anyway, having a I having friends that were LDS growing up, I had never I had never questioned it. I just kind of always assumed that it was a different sect or faction of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, much like Jehovah's Witnesses, I didn't find out till later that they were, you know, a lot farther. A lot more different than you anticipated. Yeah, a yeah. lot a lot more different than I anticipated, you know, because I had my best friend in elementary school mm-hmm. was a Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I, you know, I always thought it was weird that we never had birthday party celebrations together uh, or anything like that. But Do you want to hear a very interesting little tidbit? I just always assumed that it was because his family didn't like me. Oh. That's so sad. Yeah, it wasn't until later that I realized, like, oh, no, that was just, it wasn't a part of his religion. Did you know I got into an argument with somebody's mom when I was 10 years old during the homeschooling scene, where we were all homeschooled, um, the annual testing to make sure that everybody's on base? It was at Land's End. Mm-hmm. And so I went out there, and I had a friend, and it was like, it's two weeks worth of testing, basically. And I had made this friend and I had invited them to my birthday or something like that. And basically ended up having a couple discussions. They were Jehovah's Witness. I was Mormon. We had a couple discussions. And then their mom came and started yelling at me because I invited them to a birthday party. Wow. So then I immediately started a religious debate with this woman at 10 years old in Land's End. Well, I mean. And I I, fucking won. (laughs) I would only assume that that's because that's what you were groomed to do. I mean, for sure. But a lot of it was like. Yeah, I mean, 10-year-old me be like, prove to me the Bible says we shouldn't celebrate the birth of ourselves, so we not celebrate the birth of Christ? Yeah, and right. I just, like, went off on her. Anyway. Bad. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, funny story. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first things that I Googled was, of course, Joseph Smith. Um, and I can't remember if it was your mom, your brother, or your dad, mm-hmm. but one of them had mentioned the prophet Joseph Smith, uh, and that's when I was gifted that funny little blue book that you have in your hand. Uh, which I, of course, skimmed through and did my super fast hyper reading of. Uh, did not read every word of the book, but 
definitely skimmed through it and picked up some of the high points. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting was as soon as I Googled Joseph Smith, it came up that uh, he had trans he had he had transcribed the writings that were on these magical golden plates that he found that he never showed to anybody that nobody else ever seen mm-hmm. um, by looking at a stone or a series of stones inside of a hat that were giving him the translation. Yeah, I found that out a few code. years ago, and I've been out of the Mormon religion for almost 10 years. So that would wrap up point number one. Yep. Interesting. Okay, so just to summarize real quick, point number one, we talked Mind about you, the family history of Joseph Smith. On point number one, something to do with that is like, there's photos everywhere, paintings, created photos, movies, so many movies of Joseph Smith translating the plates. Not a single one of them ever showed him using a seer stone in a hat. Not a single one showed him no. face down in a top hat. Nope. They all showed him translating the golden plates with a translator next to him. Okay. All right. I'll buy that for a dollar. All right. So that is Brooke's testimony for number one. God. And I'm going to use testimony in vain. I know. Because <laughs> uh, why not? Um, I, dude, I would also like to clarify oh, that to I'm not myself. like, the purpose is not to make fun of the LDS religion. No, I, it's simply curiosity. There's so much unknown about the Mormon religion until you're in it or until you're out of it. And then you dive into it and you start to learn more. Well, not only that, like, I just want to clarify Like, uh, from my point of view, uh, I have made it like a personal hobby of mine. Mm-hmm to dive into things that I don't know. Yeah. That directly affect me. Uh, one of those things happens to be the LDS. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I've <laughs> delved into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Um, but I don't... You don't do it spitefully. Yeah, and I don't curse it. Like, it's not It's not something that I hold disdain towards. Obviously, it's not for me, but... Uh, it, it works for some people. It works for 15 million fucking people, apparently. I think those numbers are incorrect. But, it, it, you know, it, it, I make fun of everybody is my choice. You know, it's my thing. Like, I, 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 I make fun of homosexuals. I make fun of straight people. I make fun of black people, Asian people, white people. I don't care. I make fun of you. I make fun of you for stupid shit. Nobody's saying you're prejudiced towards the Mormons. I'm not. I am. Well, but I'm not like, <laughs> like I'm not like simply prejudiced against any one group. That's yeah. my point. Like, like I make I'm fun simply of women, curious I make and I make observations. Yeah, also, and I want to correct myself. I'm going to make jokes when I can. Oh, for sure. The Urim and Thummim was a translating device. The Liahona was the compass. Okay. I forgot. Fair enough. All right. Question number two. Let's go into point two here uh, on this top 10 list that I found. Uh, Once again, Mm top10s.com. These guys are the bomb. Um, Number two, polygamy and polyandry. Okay. Um, So I'm going to read this. Mm -hmm. Between Joseph's 30 and Brigham's 50 wives, other church leaders seem relatively tame in the field of polygamy. However... 
The church's early doctrines of salvation through the family and marriage sealings were not as holy as is taught within the church. Accounts of early church leaders stealing already married women to become an additional wife, threats, coercion, bribery, and manipulation were all practiced to assure early leaders had their pick of the female population. Uh, Obviously, once again, this is from a website. I don't know, but I'm testing your knowledge. What do you know? Polygamy, polyandry. So, growing up, we knew that polygamy was a thing that happened in the early years of the church, and it was a commandment of God, and that it will be will and can be practiced in eternity. You guys didn't talk about the fact that like all the way through what the nineties, maybe mm-hmm. or the eighties. Um, I don't know exactly. Obviously I haven't delved that far deep into it that um, the LDS church was indeed continually practicing polygamy and polyandry. The official LDS church stopped practicing polygamy after Brigham Young. Okay. And it broke into factions of fundamentalists. So FLDS churches were in fact practicing polygamy and still do. That's where Warren Jeffs comes from. That's where a couple of other sister wives, any of those, those are FLDS. And they themselves are very keen on defining that, that they're the fundamentalists in the fact that they practice the fundamentals mm. of the Mormon religion in the beginning. The so did they teach you they did they teach you about that in seminary or mm-hmm. Yeah, seminary primarily, but also um there's a lot of like movies that the church puts out about itself mm-hmm. that you watch in seminary and in primary school and in young women's and young men's like lds.org or something like Yeah, they put it out. Um and and so I guess I, I I guess my question was like your church your faction, um, not polygamist. The the LDS church isn't a faction. It's it's the part. The fundamentalists are the factions. Okay. The reason it stopped after Brigham Young was because the the Utah Territory was purchased by the United States and it was therefore illegal to practice polygamy. And that's when uh, I think it was snow, the prophet after Brigham Young, you have to sing that song that I don't want to. And I can't remember right now. Weird. Um, you have a whole song about it, about all the prophets of the church. Yeah. Okay. Um, so but I- it was, it was stopped then. And it was due to the fact of like, we, in the Doctrine and Covenants, there's a section where like you obey the laws of the land and the laws of man as long as it is within standing of the church and doesn't like contradict the churches and the gospel teachings. So there's actually that's why the FLDS broke off, is because the FLDS believed that like in order to be Mormon and make it to the celestial kingdom, you have to have multiple wives. And the primary church is like, well, we can't be illegal. Oh, so we, so I, can't. like maybe like they felt they were in threat of losing their, 
their church mm-hmm. status. Yeah. Um, I guess my, my question too, along with that, because I was going to say, well, like, what about, you know, the biblical teachings of obeying the law of the land, you yep. know, which has to do with society and societal dictates. Um, what, like, it's a, it's a tough question to formulate, but so if you're, if you're fundamentally for polygamy, mm-hmm. um, and that fundamental comes from the teachings of Joseph Smith or the word. Yep. And the law of the land says otherwise. So you follow the law of the land. Wouldn't that mean that like the religious grounds for say not baking a cake for a homosexual marriage, even though according to the law it's legal, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't that negate that? Yep. But that's where the the thought comes in of like God's laws are higher than man's laws and I will adhere to God's laws so that my soul is saved properly. Mm. And with plural marriage, as LDS call it, that's it's still an eternal practice. So it seems like a like a, a weird fine like gray space yep. between like you know reality and you know hypocrisy. Yep. Huh. Okay. So something so, that that my parents agreed on was that even if my mom did die, that my dad would not take a second wife. No matter what. So that's something you because guys Because if he did, he would have to be sealed in her in the temple. So you guys had an open discussion, I guess, when you were children? No, my mom would make jokes about it when I ever asked about polygamy. She'd be like, oh, ha, yeah, daddy will never do that. Oh, so it was like a joke. So, like, as far as you're concerned, there probably may be a formal agreement between your parents, but there's no confirmation that there is a formal agreement between your parents that your father would never take a second wife. True. But as most Mormons believe in the eternal life in the spirit heaven before you make the celestial kingdom or the hot, which has in and of itself has three different levels. So you can make it to the bottom level level of the celestial kingdom with one wife, but in order to make it to the top, you have to have at least three is my understanding. And in spirit heaven, you can take on, you can take more wives. There was, so there was quite a few people in my church that either their spouse had died so this super con- controversial in my church when I was younger. Well, like this- a friend of mine, his father has is on his third wife. Yep. Um, and his previous two have passed away. Is he sealed to all of them? Yes. Yep. Huh. So super controversial in my church was this lady whose husband had died of cancer relatively young, 40s, 50s. She remarried, but they were not sealed because she was already sealed to her first husband. And he had been married in the past. I can't remember if he was a convert or not. I'm pretty sure he was a convert. He'd been married multiple times in the past. And I'm pretty sure one he was sealed to. So he at least had somebody. But they were together 
in this life. And they weren't sealed. And that was crazy because in order for her to be sealed to her new husband, she had to appeal to the first presidency of the church, AKA the prophet to get a divorce from her first husband to be able to see, be sealed to her second. Otherwise when she went to God's beck and call, she would be beckoned by her first. And that's what she wanted. Huh? That was part of their agreement when they got married is they knew that they would not be sealed to each other. Well, so I guess here's a fun controversial question. Mm -hmm. Um, Politically right now, we have an LDS candidate who is married and I've met his wife. Mm-hmm. Would it be fair to ask the question of that candidate what his beliefs are on polygamy and what his belief is on his transcendence through the celestial kingdom? whether or not he would make it to the top tier Mm -hmm. or if he would stay singularly sealed to his one wife out of love and compassion for her versus his own, I guess, aspirations towards the throne, if you will. So that's where it gets really interesting is like you're told that your thoughts in heaven are different. And so like, your wife will be happy to have other women as wives in So are there just like an abundance of women in heaven? No fucking Like where do they come from? Like where are all these extra women This church was made in the 1800s in America. There was a lack of women, okay? (laughs) I'm just curious where the extra women are coming from. Anyway. That or there was an abundance of women because all the men died. Now mind you. Heath Smith, that's who I'm talking about. Heath Smith, don't vote for that fucking cocksucker. Anyway. Mind um, you though, do you want to know what I was told about polygamy when I was younger? Yeah, that's why we're here. I, cause I asked, I was like, why did we even do polygamy? Like, I don't understand why it's a Why practice. did the women even accept that? Not all of them did. And that's what I learned afterwards. Really? So. So like. Going, going it, back like to what Hypothetically, I was we mm-hmm. could say that the women's movement in the United States, when the women's empowerment movement went through, which I fully support, like I, I support equal rights more so than most women think. Mm-hmm. Um. I dare you to punch me in the face. (laughs) Equal rights. (laughs) Um, No, but like on on a serious note, like were the, would you say that Mormon women or LDS women were high ranking in the women's movement in the United States for equal rights? No, I don't think they were. I don't think they took any active role in doing that. Really? Because Even- it would it would take them out of their eternal I'm trying to think of the right words that have that I've heard before. It would take them out of their rightful place. Which is in the home. Whoa. Okay. Um God, maybe we need to be <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm Anyways, just kidding. So I'm what I was told jokes. when I, what I was told when I was younger when I asked about polygamy was that well, you know, back in the day, like they were traveling across the plains. It's the early 1800s. Right. It made men, sense. 
men died all the time and women weren't legally allowed to own property. So if their husband had died, then they needed somebody else to take care of them. It used to be a father or an uncle or brother, whatever kin, right? So in the Mormon church, though, men would marry multiple wives. It was in no way a sexual thing. It was simply to help care for and preserve the the church members and right. the women and their children so that they could stay in their home. Right, because a 60-year-old man has no interest in a 19-year-old female. You would think. Who has no males to take care of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully everybody out there in the radio wave world seen me roll my eyes. You want to hear something extra funny? Yes. I talked to my mom about polygamy one time. Oh my fuck. Just a few years ago. This is only two to three years ago. No shit. Uh-huh. Well, because I was making a joke about somebody. Oh, you made a polygamy joke to your I mother? Did. Uh, I was like, well, if they want to be polygamists, it's up to them. I don't care. Right? Exactly. If it's part of the church, why to not? To each their own, right? And she freaked out. She got real mad. And I was like, I am surprised at how upset you are about a like fundamental belief in, our, in the Mormon religion. I'm very surprised at how upset you are at the fact that somebody might be a, polygamy, a polygamist nowadays, which is on par because most Mormons would, are like hate FLDS. I they would, think I, they've polluted the church teachings, which is hilarious because they think that of each other. I would argue the the hypocrisy of a person that picks and chooses their own fundamental beliefs based off of the gray area that they see in black and white. The Mormon church believes in the power of personal revelation and the power of current revelation and a current prophet on earth, allowing God to give us current revelation as to what the church should be doing. Indeed. Okay. I can see that. Right. That's fair. So I, I made that joke. So your mom lost her shit. Mom lost her shit. And she was like, that's not okay. And I was like, mom, they practice polygamy like a lot. A lot of people did. And she goes, no, Brooke. So like, did you, our prophets only had a couple of wives and that was to help the women. And at the most, I was like, no. And what percentage do you think that was that actually practiced? She goes, it was only like 2%. Well, no, because it says right here that... In uh, the LDS website, over 50% of the church were actively practicing polygamy for over 50 years. This right here, now obviously without looking it up, I can't say for certain, but this right here says that Joseph Smith had 30 wives and Brigham Young was 27. had 50 wives. 53. So how many wives do you need? Good question. Also, my question to your mother would be if if our mindset changes when we get to the celestial kingdom, you know, if we attain Then why be goal, pissed about it here? Um, first <laughs> of all, why be pissed about it here? But second of all, do you honestly think that your husband's not going to take another one? Yeah, she does. She honestly does think that. But his mindset's going to change. But they're special. Okay. All right. Do you want to know Joseph Smith's youngest wife's age? What? He was in his 40s and she was 13. Wow. Do you want to know how he got her? <sighs> Money. He threatened the eternal 
his he threatened her father's eternal salvation. And how how did he do that though? He's the prophet of the church. Well, also though, how did so when did you acquire this knowledge? So acquired it semi recently. Semi recently within the last five to seven years. But this was like so when you read the original thing of manipulation and how Joseph Smith got his wives, mm-hmm. there is Two, I believe, that he sent the husbands to die battling militias. So some Old Testament shit. Some Old Testament shit, yep. Battling militias. So some David shit. Yeah, and then one he sent to Europe for years. So we can understand, too, that the correlation between Joseph Smith and David um, and then, you know, again, later on with King Solomon, uh, it's pretty legit. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, I like where we went with the polygamy and polyandry. I think we could do a whole episode on that. Quick, one more tidbit. Okay. Emma hated it at first, and there is a very strong scripture. Emma? Emma, Joseph Smith's wife. Okay. The first, the original. The OG wife. Before he started the church, that wife. Um, she, she questioned it. Mm-hmm. And so then he came up with some revelation saying, oh, Emma, my servant, um, my right. Fuck, I want to Google no, it. No, don't do it. Um, my righteous servant, basically, you will abide by the new revelation I have given my servant, Joseph Smith. If you do not, basically your soul is damned. Wow. Le- like so we threaten eternal damnation. Yes. For violation of the current prophet on yes. earth's revelations. Yes. Okay. Makes sense. Yep. Sounds religious as fuck. Yep. All right. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, fun. Mm. We're only at three. I know. Isn't that crazy? All right, here I'm we go. I have to pee after this one. <laughs> oh, and I need water. Yep. Um. So number three though, uh, is fun, and I and I I I really want to just play off you, and it's just I want to read it, and I want to hear what you have to say, and then we'll move on to four. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Differing accounts of the first. Vision. Okay, and I'm going to put that in air quotes. Okay. Um, because it's in quotes. There have been differing accounts of the famed first vision through the early days of the church, from the number of heavenly visitors to mixing the story with that of the visitation of the angel Moroni. The first vision account has undergone revision after revision, while now considered a staple in proselyting efforts. Mm-hmm. The story wasn't a major part of early church missionary efforts and didn't attain its final draft until the late 1830s. Yep. Brooke? I had no idea that there were actually multiple versions what, of what the were first you, vision. What were you told? What were you, what were you what taught? What I was told is, now mind you, I had read multiple accounts. I had watched multiple movies. When I say multiple, I don't mean three. I mean 12. Like, a lot of movies of Joseph. And basically any time you, like, prep to go to the temple, you would watch that. And 
during holiday seasons, anyways, of Joseph Smith's first vision to where he is a 14-year-old boy. He was confused. He didn't know which church was true. Surely they couldn't all be true, but which one? And so he prayed on his knees asking which one was true. And then a dark fog came and basically it was Lucifer slash Satan and like tortured him and tried to get him to succumb. And then all of a sudden a bright light appeared. Oh my God, I'm a terrible Mormon right now because I can't remember. It's okay. Who it was. I think it was Moroni originally. No, that's what it says here is that the visitation of the angel Moroni. So actually there's multiple visitations of the angel Moroni in Joseph Smith when he was like asleep in bed. So they're different Mm. than the first vision. Okay. Huh. All right. Well, that's cool. Um... I I would say that that is controversial if there's multiple accounts of the first vision and, you know, the final draft didn't come out till the late 1830s. I only heard about multiple versions of the first vision within the last year. Wow. All right. Well, then we'll move right into the next one because it's an odd segue, like, a, like an odd segue, but like a good one, too. Mm-hmm. Um. I will advise our listeners we're 51 minutes in or 52 (laughs) or whatever it is. um, And we're on number four. Uh, We're going to 10. We're doing it tonight. Okay. Uh, So this may end up being a long episode, but it's something that's like important to me. It's important to my wife. Well, you and I, we've talked about things in passing. I don't think we've ever like sat down and had like a questionnaire about it. Well, we haven't dove into it intimately. And I think the reason is because we were, we were going to do it with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to do it with a another LDS member yeah. or an ex-LDS member. And unfortunately for us, um, an ex-LDS member is hard to come by because they don't want to talk about it at all. And a current LDS member is difficult to come by because uh, they don't want to talk about it at all. All. Um, even even me, like I catch myself. I was, even Brooke feels awkward. I was having this conversation. I was telling somebody the other day, another ex Mormon, that I was like, it's so strange to hear things about my church that either I'm just finding out for the first time, or that I know, or like things that I know happen that are bad about my church. To hear other people talk about it. I immediately get defensive. Dude, I, I always, I like, and I try and caveat all the time. Like, I, I want to tell people, like, I don't have anything against your church. And I don't, I don't mean just LDS. Like, I mean, Christians, Catholics, Muslims, like even Muslims. And I'm, I'm a fucking veteran of OIF, OEF, right? Like, I went overseas to Iraq. Like, I met these fucking cocksuckers in person and they're dickbags. I have nothing against their religion because that's what they believe fundamentally at their core. Yep. And that's who they are. That's that's their person. I'm fundamentally against how they treat people. No shit. <laughs> but at the same time, like I don't want them to hate on me because I read a book. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I'm, I'm a pretty equal opportunity person. I feel like Brooke is too. Um, I am now, even though she's like spatially disorientated, she, 
pretty hateful towards some things, but we're just going to keep going. I don't, I think I'm hateful because of my experience and a lot of Mormons will tell you, and this is something I think you're hateful because of your ignorance of your experience. True. Yeah. That's what I'm actually mad about. I think, I think like the impression that I get from you a lot of times when we talk about this subject is that you're hateful, not because of what it is, but because nobody told you. Exactly what it was. Yeah. And I was born in it. I was like, I was the most, I was one of the most Mormon you could fucking get. I know you were. When like, I met you, I was like, bitch. <laughs> sure. I'm Dude, sure. No joke. Like when I met your family, mm-hmm. all right. You were like, there's a bunch of psychopaths. Well, here's the deal. Like I've always been an equal opportunity person. Mm-hmm. I always have. Mm-hmm. I've always been so accepting of people um, to a fault because- yep. I'm friends with some real cocksuckers, but, Mm -hmm. um, the thing was, is like, I was always like curious. Yeah. Grandiosely, like just super curious. Well, that's because there's so much mystery around around the Mormon church. But I never had the stones to ask anything because everybody was always so mean to me. Like I remember the first time I met your sister-in-law and I, I love her to death now. Because yeah. I've gotten to know her as a human being. But I remember the first time that I met her, it was shortly after she got married to your brother. Mm-hmm. And she was so mean to me. And I couldn't figure out why. Were you smoking or did you smell like smoke? It was because I drank beer, I swore, and I smoked cigarettes. And like, that. I mean, I'm assuming, obviously. Yeah. But... I'm, I'm assuming the, always, the feeling you got was she found you in disgust. Right. Yes. She was always accurate. so mean to me. Like that was the impression that I got was that I was just this piece of shit human. And, and the amazing thing was, is I was always so nice and so polite. Like even around your mother and father who I like, I, like I had a modicum of respect for your father mm-hmm. because I, I respected the work that he did mm-hmm. having worked with him but I had almost no respect for your mother. Yeah. Because she gave me no reason to. Because of her, due to her behavior. Right, exactly. Um, And so I was always curious because I never understood why these people that I didn't know that didn't know me were so hateful towards me. Even though I felt that I was a good, righteous person. Because I, like... And I, I, I still feel that way today. I feel like I'm a righteous person. Like, yes, I make jokes and I'm crude and I'm rude and I do things that are fucking, you know, we're, I, I, I'm, I'm categorically a fuck up, but I love people. Mm-hmm. I'm polite to people, even though I hate people. I don't like being around them. I'm always polite. I'm always on point with sir, ma'am. Yes, please. Thank you. Like, do you- <laughs> and then being treated like shit by people that I don't know. I was always like, what the fuck, man? Do you want to hear the really short explanation? What? Not only at home, but a very common practice in Sunday class. Shit talk people? No, it was to debate whether or not it was worth it to be friends with people who weren't Mormon. Wow. Wow. And, And that sounds super crude, 
because it fucking was. Now, <laughs> now right, mind wait, you. Let me, let, me just, let me just stop you. 59 minutes, 42 seconds. I'm Pause gonna, I'm going to mute our mics. I'm yep. going to play some music. We're going to go. I'm going to get my water. Brooke's going to go pee. And we'll go. be right back. not back yet her piss is taking extra long but i'm back and yeah i'm just gonna expound upon it a little bit like i definitely felt hatred i I definitely felt some weird kind of disrespect um and i like i also i also found it unique that there was no acceptance like in the early stages like the parents were always accepting. They were always like kind. Um, but as soon as they figured out who I was like, and what I was like Brooks, Brooks mom found out that I was a Lamanite. Um, you know, which I didn't realize until later on, like way later on. It was even a thing. was even a thing. Like, I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was like a type of person. And then I found it out is. that it was a descendant of a Native American. <laughs> so it's not just a descendant of a Native American. Like, it is, but it isn't. In the Mormon religion, you're a descendant of Laman. Basically, the Book of Mormon version of Cain. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Th- that's so, what it like, is. Like I was cursed from birth. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um anyway, uh so good segue. Um uh, because we're gonna roll right into uh Book of Mormon Origins and we're gonna talk about number four on the list. Here we go. Uh Book of Mormon Origins. Oh dear. The cornerstone of scripture, along with the Bible, has a questionable past. The official story of the Book of Mormon being a direct translation by Joseph Smith from Gold Plates and the most correct of any book on earth has been questioned from the beginning. The original witnesses of the Gold Plates mentioned in the introduction of BOM, Book of Mormon, gave their testimony that they had seen the plates, yet Brigham Young, second president of the church, said that some of those witnesses later came to doubt their experience. Yep. No archaeological, linguistic, anthropological, or DNA evidence supports the Book of Mormon story. Many substantive substantive mistakes in the text, such as the use of steel, use of horses, camels, elephants, etc., have also made the story questionable at best. So, there's also having read excerpts from the Book of Mormon, I have read. That there were camels and elephants in the Americas, mm-hmm. which hmm, seems unrealistic, seeing as how those species of mammals don't exist in the Americas today. But one could argue that Nephi and Lehi came over from Jerusalem and brought them. Okay. All right. So, Brooke, Book of Mormon origins controversy 
as it goes with the Americas. And Joseph Smith from the Gold Plates. No archaeological, linguistic, anthropological, or DNA evidence supports the Book of Mormon story. Did, did they teach you anything? It was never a discussion or a thought that there was not evidence that the Book of Mormon was never a thing, that the, that the golden plates weren't a thing, or that the Book of Mormon was manufactured. Absolutely not. It was only ever reiterated if it's divine power. Never in question. Never. God, no. Because if you question the Book of Mormon, then you question Joseph Smith as a prophet. If you question Joseph Smith as a prophet, then the Mormon church is not the true church of God. What about now? Turns out (laughs) there's a book out there and I'm trying to remember what it's called, but it basically is like it was published seven years before Joseph Smith published the Book of Mormon. And it is ridiculously similar in comparison via now though. This isn't my experience knowing this. what, What about what about the battlefield earth? movie huh forget i said that let's move on okay keep going mind you i follow some ex-mormons on. i think that was scientology i got i got confused for a second okay yeah gold <laughs> they're easy to plates. mix up <laughs> <laughs> i was making a joke sorry it just it didn't come across right because i don't think you've seen that movie so probably not um John Travolta. yeah i don't think i have <laughs> Okay, anyways. So, it turns out Joseph Smith actually tried publishing the Book of Mormon in the United States or Canada, one or the other, and it, like, didn't publish well. So, then he basically revised it and then republished it. Hmm. So, like, like he wrote a Bible and then... Yep. It didn't work, so he rewrote it, republished it. And, like, shortly, not too shortly, but, like, a couple of years before he even started translating the Book of Mormon, it was like said that it was a very common book in the area at the time. And it is ridiculously similar stories as to what is in the Book of Mormon. Mm, okay. All right. Well, let's move on to number five. This is one that I think we're going to talk about. Talk about a little bit. Oh, um, <clears throat> let's talk about the curse of Negroes. Oh, God. The church's racial stance against people of African descent is well noted, and the LDS church does not does a pretty thorough job at distancing itself now from its doctrines then. Mm-hmm. From 1830 to 1978, African descendants... Over could, 150 years. <laughs> African descendants <laughs> could join the church but not receive the higher blessings of the church membership i.e. the priesthood and certain temple rituals. There were many reasons officially taught by the church, both that black skin was a curse from God, as Africans were descended from the biblical Cain, Mm -hmm. and that dark-skinned people were less valiant or fence-sitters in the war in heaven during which Lucifer was cast out. The church, by way of its endorsed website, has publicly disavowed those early teachings and does a hefty attempt at downplaying the early prejudice by alluding to the rampant culture racism of the times. The fact remains that if so many prophets of the church taught as a doctrine that prejudice was sanctioned by God and a prophet 
would never lead the church astray. We are so sorry for our curse of black people we had until the 1970s. I wish that it never would have happened. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and if I was a prophet before the 1970s, then I would allow every worthy male to get the priesthood, no matter which skin color they have. If you are a Mormon, Mormon, never offend a black person about this, if you only believe the curse of the Negroes. Otherwise, agree that Mormons are sometimes racist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I believe for a really long time that both Lamanites and black people alike were simply cursed skin of God and that they were just generations of people. But then I also was concerned and questioned. I was like, what about, you know, that scripture, the sins of the son, sins of the father on the sons and the sins of the sons on the father. Yeah. 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 That. And so that was my explanation that I got when I asked, huh? So like, honestly, like this just shows a little bit of my racism. (laughs) I didn't care. You just assumed. And I nobody cared. Nobody cared that we like didn't allow the blacks to have the priesthood for that many years, especially here in Little Homer. We don't have any black people here. Did, did so like <laughs> did it never affect you? Like this is just sidebar. By just all means. Based by reading this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like um what are the words that I'm looking for? It didn't affect me because any black person or Lamanite now would have the ability to have the priesthood if they simply went through the process like everybody else. Negative. (laughs) Then I would allow every worthy male to get the priesthood, no matter which skin color they have. So... At no point in time did it register with you while you were in church that the priesthood could only be held by males? Oh, absolutely. It registered with me. It was one of my biggest fucking pet peeves. So, like, it's for all the it's way up the, until the 1970s. It was 1978, and yeah. I believe... Oh, fuck, I can't remember the name of the president at the time. But the president of the time had told the Mormon church, you will allow Negroes mm-hmm. to hold the priesthood. I've seen the letter. Um, and I can't, I can't, I can't cite it right now because I remember specifically looking this up because I was really curious because um, so many people were up in arms about this and then nobody raised the question for women that, In 1978, they allowed Negroes to hold the priesthood, but only if they were male. Yeah. So women's women's suffrage laws, which are the laws of the land, Mm -hmm. don't apply to the church. Correct. However, the Negro laws and the polygamy laws do. Do. The priesthood, it, there's such like an under layer of teachings that I feel like, like there's a lot of teachings about the priesthood that they just didn't teach women. For sure. Absolutely. Basically, so at age 12, you're separated into genders, male, female. and Because there's only two. Right. 
and you're taught from there. Okay. And on when so Sunday church went like this: an hour in test in sacrament, an hour with your female and or separated groups, and then an hour mixed male and female. And so everybody got their own individual teaching. It was any time I ever asked how it come was or I, is like it was for you, but it is still today. I can't speak to what it is. I haven't been to church. Oh, today? No, it's only two hours. But we would assume that they still separate males from females. Yes, especially the young ones, 12 to 18. Interesting. Yes. Hmm. Um, anytime I ever asked how come women don't get the priesthood, and I said I would make a good priesthood holder, <laughs> um, I was told, well, that's not what you're here to do. Your special gift is being able to have children. Wow. Okay. All right. And it was like, it was, it was always downplayed of like, it's not because women aren't worthy. That's not why. Right. If you ever have to say, no, no, it's not because <laughs> of this. That's not why. It's usually because of that. It's usually because of that. That's fair. And like, like we, we, we just won't. All right. Yeah. Okay. So I, I had to explain this to somebody else. The reason I learned so much about the church after the fact is because I left. My primary reason for leaving was the sexism. I, you know, that's my primary reason. For you know leaving. what I hate? Huh? I hate the belief that your primary reason for leaving was me. Oh, that people think that? Yeah. Isn't that so entertaining? You know, you know, you know what's crazy? <laughs> I just want to clarify this on this podcast of ours, this discussion that we're having openly with the internet. I never once advocated for Brooke to do anything other than be faithful and loyal to her religion and her beliefs. Annoyingly so. I would wake Brooke up on Sundays so that she had ample time to go to church. Even when I lived in Idaho, you would. Yep. I would call her and say, wake up. You have church today. And I always reinforced that she should stick to her beliefs to the point where when I proposed marriage to Brooke, I told her that if her beliefs would become a uh, a barrier a or a fence between us that she should choose to leave me because it was more important. And the fact that people still believe <laughs> I know. Well that was that I fucked you up <laughs> and perverted you. I mean I did. I perverted the fuck Stop. out of Brooke. No, but no, but but for real. Like I didn't. I didn't ever. I didn't at ever advocate well i remember you and i having multiple conversations. I, I went to fucking church with brooke i know i stopped going when i found out what lamanites were i think you stopped telling me to go to church or really to do anything with church when we were engaged and i think we we're a few months out from the wedding and you were like i want to remind you like if 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 getting married in the temple is important to you, I'm not going to be the one to do it. So you can't marry me 
if that's what's actually important to you. Indeed. And like coming to terms with the fact that it wasn't important to me was insane. So it reminds me of a song. Um, it's a primary song that they started teaching kids when they're three. And it says, I've come to see, I can't wait to see the temple. I'm going there someday to feel the Holy Spirit, to listen and obey. For the temple is a house of God, a place of love and beauty. I'll prepare myself while I am young. This is my sacred duty. Damn. Yeah. Huh. Well. From the age of three, that was one of the probably Ultimately, I feel like you made the better choice. No shit. (laughs) No fucking shit. When compared to Ultimate Salvation and me, Brooke was like, fucking this guy. (laughs) Fuck, dude. Me. I chose me. Damn, damn. So, like, that's... And that was a very light-hearted song. What's dope about that is is it segues into number six. Oh, so God. we're going to talk about temple rituals. All right. So the oh, I have opinions. Yikes. <laughs> so um, it's a controversial thing. Once again, the top tens dot com. Uh, it's number six on the top ten. Here we go. Temple rituals. The LDS Church's temples remain one of the biggest sources for myths and mystery outside of the church. Yep. Stories of what happens within are rampant. And while you can find accurate descriptions and recordings of the inner workings of these sacred buildings, the fact is the church has had to do some explaining about them. From their origins in Freemasonry, an order that organized in the medieval cathedral building age, which is controversial at best because there are tinfoil hat theories that the masons descendants of the knights templar um go farther back than that Uh um to a major changes in temple ceremony from the early days of the church till now not much has remained constant the church says changes were made for the sake of brevity and clarification but to go from a 12-hour ritual to about 90 minutes is pretty drastic Plus, taking out some of the more gruesome parts due to members' discomfort seems like pandering to the masses, not the will of God. Yep. Go. Brooke, what do you know about temple rituals? So there's different levels of temple rituals in every temple. Um, they Every temple has the same rooms. There's the preparation room, there where you like go in and change out of your Sunday clothes that you came in into your temple clothes. Everyone has temple clothes. Did you have temple clothes? And, or you can rent them when you go there. (laughs) Rent them. Rent them. Well, I think they were free. They were free. You pulled money out of your pocket and you were like, Hey man, like I'm here to like talk to God and shit. Can I, can I get some clothes clothes? for the temple? So there's different stages. The only reasons people who don't have their endowments taken out can go to the temples for baptisms for the dead. We've talked about this. We have. If you're not familiar with baptisms for the dead, the general thought process of it is, is those who have passed away on this earth, what's done on earth is bound in heaven. 
is bound on earth is bound in heaven. So if you baptize people into the Mormon church here on earth, then they have the opportunity to accept it in heaven. Would we be able to say, Mm -hmm. without the permission of the person, the church baptizes dead people? Yep. Correct. 110% correct. The thought process of Mormons is that they can accept it up in spirit heaven and or So, like having the unique experience of having a sibling pass away in the age of, what what would you call it? Um, Before his endowments were taken out. Well, not not that. Like, not your sibling specifically. okay. But like... Before the age of baptism. My sibling. Mm Mm-hmm. While in the age of ignorance, or there's another word for it, but I won't, I won't be able to recall it right now. Um, if a Mormon church in the local area had a list of obituaries, which they do, they could, and or you can add a name. You in can go and theory, add a name. baptize somebody. Not of the church against the will of their family. Hundred percent. Would that not be considered an invasion of somebody's personal privacy and space? No. Not according to the LDS Church. Correct. They're doing him a favor. Oh. Because their idea of heaven is heaven, huh. right? They don't. Dude. They don't believe that there are other other versions <laughs> of heaven. Sidebar question, mm-hmm. like. What about the covenant of God with Abraham? Which one? The one that, you know, the one about cutting the... Uh, yep. A circumcision? Yeah, the, Mormon, okay. the Mormons believe that. Then, Seth, I never saw a Mormon boy's penis. Are you shitting me? <laughs> I never dated Mormon guys. Never. You have brothers, Brooke. I've never You also seen went to penis. the church. They never talked about it in church? Seth, they didn't talk about sex or penises or private parts, except don't. Wow. So like so like growing up in the Christian I'm church. I'm assuming they're cut. I have literally no clue. Growing up in the Christian church, they did talk they talked about God's covenant with Abraham. Okay. And the fact that we were circumcised because of said covenant. It was never anything that was discussed with me or that I paid attention to simply because I was female, but also the fact that I wasn't married or had boys in the church. I'm okay. sure if I had sons, then it would be a something I would learn about. All right. How about we move on to number seven? No, wait, I wasn't even done. There's so many more things. Damn. For Temple Covenants. It's Brooke's secret. Oh, shit. So... Temple Covenants, baptism for the dead. I simply got to explain it. Um, ages 12 to 18, you go in and basically here's like the rundown. You show up in your Sunday clothes, you go in and change into a white jumpsuit. And you have to remember to bring your own white underwear. You go into this gorgeous, immaculate room that has a baptismal font on top of 12 ox six twelve twelve oxen um there's religious background behind that and i can't 
I can't source it right now or remember what it was, but 12 oxen and everybody's standing around you. When I say everybody, it's you. For us, it was usually a group of anywhere from six to 12 people who went and youth and then adults. And when it was your turn, you would step around into the font and there would be a priesthood holder in the font that would hold you just like when you were being baptized and they would call out the names on the list. Seth, suspect. What are you doing? (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Anyways, we're just saying you'd get into the baptismal font. I just moved my wife. (laughs) You're terrible. (laughs) And then the priesthood holder would baptize you just in the exact same verbiage that they did when you were eight years old now mind you if you were a woman or female they could only baptize you for female names and then if you're a boy they baptized you for male names interesting and you would do anywhere from 10 to 20 of them repeatedly so you'd come up out of the water and they'd say on behalf of the power of the Melchizedek priesthood, I baptize you. And then they would read the name off of the dead person in the, on behalf of whatever. I can't remember. the. How many, how many dead people was I baptized for? Yeah. I think I went at least four to five times at the bare minimum five. And I did anywhere at the bare minimum 10 each time. So over 50 people. Did you did you never feel like you were violating that person's right? No. As a child. No, it never crossed my mind. So as a, as not a ch- not until I got older. So it like so as a child, what you believed was right and just, you did. I thought I was giving somebody an opportunity that they didn't have here on earth. And then as an adult. As an adult, as somebody whose sibling did pass away before they got their endowments taken out, and then my parents went and got his endowments taken out on behalf of him, it's incredibly frustrating and hurtful. I I know we haven't... The amusing thing is, uh, right here we're going to cross into a threshold of something that Brooke and I have not actually discussed at length with each other and i'm gonna you know give her the opportunity it's up to her obviously we're talking to the masses we're talking Mm -hmm. to at most 30 people (laughs) that um either know us or don't necessarily know us um and so i'm going to give her the option here um uh to 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 go ahead to put it out there lay lay your thoughts on the line Mm -hmm. um what what is about it that that is frustrating uh or disconcerting for you as an adult when you when you think about a sibling um and getting his endowments posthumously the fact that i had had multiple conversations with him he had no plans in staying in the church none no plans to serve a mission, which is, by the way, every young man's, every righteous young man's dream. Wet dream. 
I'm dry. It's a very dry dream. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a dry dream. He's trying to lighten the mood. No, but. you're good. You're good. I for, I forget. So like, I forget sometimes when I talk about this shit. Like, I could be very serious. It's very ominous. But it's something that like I was raised with every single day to be. Like, life is that serious. If you fuck up today, if you miss a prayer today, like, it does, in fact, affect your eternal salvation. So you have to be on top of your game a thousand percent. Well, let's touch on that a little bit then. Um, because of your willingness to put it out there, you know, what, what is it about, what it is, what is it about the posthumous baptism, you know, as an adult, you uh, you know, when you experienced it for your sibling, what is it about that, that, you know, you know, frustrated you or angered you or, or, you know, touched you that way? You know, aside from the, aside from the, like, was there anything aside from the knowledge that you had intimately of his unwillingness to continue with the church? My parents' lack of listening I think is what was the most frustrating part is they thought, Oh, for sure he would be in the church and for sure he would like, how could anybody want anything else is their thought process and still is today. It's how could you want anything else? Because this is the one true church on earth. This is the one and only way to get to the heaven, not a heaven, the heaven There's no other option. There's no other way. If you are somewhat, if you're a good person, then you can end up in the T or terrestrial kingdom, which are lower levels. You will not stay with your partner. You will not stay with your family. Your life won't be great, but it won't be terrible. And then there's outer darkness for those who are evil. So like, so I guess, would it be fair to say that like, your belief is is your 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 sibling had a choice, and that he had time here on this earth to get it done if he wanted to, and he didn't. That they were making their choice, yeah, and that choice wasn't wasn't in a, line with acknowledged his. or accepted. Yeah, and your belief is that it was wrong. I think it was a hundred percent selfish on my parents' part. Okay. Not that it was wrong. It wasn't wrong for them. And maybe he's up in heaven and he's like, thanks for doing that for me, guys. I don't fucking know. Right. I don't know. But they didn't know. Correct. Okay. It's also something that nobody ever talks about. Ooh. That's what it was. Age of Innocence. That was what I was. That's the one. Yep. That's what I was trying to think of. I, you know, I had so, a, I had a similar experience. Baptisms. Kind of, yeah. Do tell. Well, like, you know, like, like obviously the beliefs are different. Um, there was no, there was no baptisms for the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they they taught us from a young age about the Age of Innocence. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as we were, you know, culpable, as soon as we were capable of discerning the difference between right and wrong, that we were capable of sin. Was that eight? No, there was no defined age. So that's, that's something that like I it was didn't a, know for a really long time, because to us it was eight. It was a... That was the age. It was like as soon as you're capable, right? So like Annabelle's almost five. 
Yeah. And she knows the difference between right and wrong. Right. Um, she doesn't know the difference between good and evil. Correct. She I don't doesn't, think she knows what evil is. She doesn't know the difference between sin and righteousness. Yeah. But she knows the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. Right? So I believe she's still in the age of innocence. Fair enough. Because she doesn't understand Charlie even more so. Yep. Because she has no cognition. That's super interesting. But like knowing the difference between right and wrong, but not the difference between good and evil. Because I would go to argue that I didn't know the difference. I did not know what evil was, even an explanation of it until I was like 14, 15 years old. That's fair. That's fair. Because like I would say, like a lot of people would argue that, you know, knowing what a sin is, right? A slight against God um, is evil, right? You know the difference. But I would say, but to me, you know, a sin was to not pay your tithing. Yeah, but a lot of people would be, a lot of people would be well into their teenage years before they started to understand what evil truly was, I, and yeah. the difference between being righteous and good and evil. And so, how far does the age of innocence actually extend? The argument could be made that your sibling being in a, uh, a state of unknown. Mm-hmm you know, a state of questioning would relegate him into this, the age of innocence. Right. Because maybe the understanding of whether or not they wanted to stay within the folds of the church wasn't based on the dogma of the church. It was based on the simple fact that they didn't quite understand the ways of the world yet, and they wanted that full understanding between before they made the dip, the the Determination. decision, right? Yeah. Um, which would put them in the age of innocence, arguably, which would therefore be a rite of passage into heaven in and of itself. Yep. Without a baptism. Yep. Hmm. So, mind you, he was baptized. Right. Yeah. Right. I was baptized at four, and then maybe again at ten or eight or some shit. Like so you could weird. ask my mom; she would tell you. Um. But the argument could be made that I had no fucking idea what I was doing. I absolutely agree. I I laugh when parents are like, they didn't want to, like, you know, they they were agreeing to get, they know, they know what it is. They know what they're doing. I had no fucking clue what they were doing. I barely remember my baptism at all, and I was eight years old. But, I mean, the simple justification is, look at our five-year-old at four years old on her birthday, Received an image of Jesus on Christmas, whatever it was. Yeah, she has no fucking idea who Jesus is. Nope, or the significance of the little statuette. Nope. What the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I would argue that the age of innocence is a place where we try not to pervert our children, mm-hmm. where we try and teach them the difference between right and wrong, but we try not to pervert them with unnecessary knowledge. Fair enough. Yeah. There's, I don't know, there's I, a lot I, to be said I, about that. I would that. dive into I, I, a completely separate topic that I would love to talk to you about is your sibling. Um simply based on the fact that we have both lost a sibling. Mm-hmm. 
um, and they were lost at different ages. Yeah. And I would like to I would like to dive into that, but we'll save it for a later date because we have four more controversies. Real quick before we pass on. Through, I'm Pickle Rick! Oh my God, he's terrible. Before we pass on through temple ceremonies, you're not allowed to go in if you're not worthy is the term. And who determines that? Your bishop. You have to have a bishop interview before you so go Heath to the Smith, temple. So cocksucker. No, he was never my bishop. <laughs> I left before. I he... hate that guy. Are I he... really I want know. to express it's... openly over the internet that I hate that guy. It's interesting how much you hate him. I have never been overtly or covertly judged so much by one individual person. As I have been by that man. Really? That man told me to my face that I was not a good human. What? Was that Was that back in like 2012? Years ago. Back in during softball when I first invited you to softball? Yep. Oh my God. See, that's one that of those I like was Mormon not things. Because a good you were a person. drinker and a smoker, that means you're a terrible person. That I was not a good person. What the fuck? I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. That man will, in my opinion, burn in the internal fires of hell. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. You know why? For being so judgmental. <laughs> because I do not believe that he follows any of the teachings of Christ in any way, shape, or form. Period. I don't try to justify for other people anymore. Yep. Agreed. Interesting. Yeah. So he wasn't my bishop. I think he was for like when I came back to Homer. He was a pile. He was the bishop when I came back to Homer, but. Still is a pile. Yep. A pile of shit. No. I had multiple. Every time you went to the temple, you had a bishop interview. And any time that you got caught by your mom hanging out with a boyfriend, you had a bishop interview and it's basically to determine your worthiness i want to throw this out there Mm -hmm. i want to recognize a specific individual actually two of them that Mm -hmm. i met there are two people that i have met that were strong lds Mm -hmm. that were significant influences on the righteousness of my life that i try and live today and their last name is hillman Right, they're the best. Those two people welcomed me into their home, into the folds of their life, and accepted me as a son, having no knowledge of who I was, what my upbringing was, or where I came from. They were solid humans. They still they are. Still are. Yeah, they're pretty fan-fucking-tastic. And out of all the people that I know, they are two of the most welcome people in my home. Yeah, absolutely. They're amazing. Without question. That's my adopted grandma and grandpa Hillman. Yeah. They... They personify what faith and love could truly be in humans. Yeah, it's really interesting because she 
taught me a different way of looking for a partner. They blessed our marriage. Yeah. Far before far before we were engaged. Before we were even engaged. Yeah, they did. They're well, they're good judges of character. What can I say? Yeah. They judged me on point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Trying to get to a point. Get to your point. Um We have four more. Temple ceremonies. <laughs> you get married in there. You get sealed in the celestial room. But you have no idea how that even goes down. You were never there. I never got to go. You're allowed to go if you don't have your endowments taken out, I think. Or you have to have your endowments taken out before you're allowed to participate or watch a sealing ceremony. I was never worthy enough. I never got to watch my brother Kyle or Lissa get married. You know who I want to ask? Hmm. I want to talk to our mutual family member who will remain anonymous until she gives us permission to state who she is Mm -hmm. about it. Because I think she's open-minded enough that she will tell us. No. I don't think so. Maybe. About why? No, just Others aren't included or about the ceremony itself? Yeah. No, absolutely not. No? It is such a sacred thing. You... I mean, there's YouTube videos. There are YouTube videos, but like it's... Dean... Here's an example. Dean has been Mormon for a fucking minute. A decade. But he won't talk about his priesthood stuff. He will not... Tell me a single thing about his endowments. Not a single thing. It's because they made him swear an oath. Yep. And it used to be in the 90s that you swore to death. Yeah. You know what? You know what's super funny? Hmm. My grandfather Mm -hmm. was a Freemason. I did know this. Very, very high up. Very serious Freemason. My uncle, Mm -hmm. also a Freemason. Mm-hmm. You know what they have told me? Not a goddamn thing. That's right. Yep. I'm family. I'm blood. Yeah. You know what they've told me? Nothing. Not a goddamn thing. I have read books. Yep. And asked them. Yep. I asked my grandfather before he passed specific questions. They were geared towards tricking him into giving me some kind of an answer. Mm-hmm. And you know what he said? Not a thing. That's not for you, grandson. Yep. That's what he told me. Oh, Seth, do you know how many times I ask questions about the temple? Do you know you get a new name in the temple? Yes. You don't get to tell anybody except your partner? Can mine be? No, it's given to you. And it's probably going to be Jacob. No, I want mine to be like Super Saiyan Slayer. No. What about Slaying Hole? Can I just carry over my PlayStation 4 name? No, it's probably going to be Jacob. (laughs) Can it be Jamarcus? Or Aaron. <laughs> Fucking Aaron. Uh, shit. Let's move on. Let's get Continue out of this. Continue forward. Let's get out of this. Okay. Let me... Let me... <laughs> Next question. Dude, bro. I'm telling you. My computer's all fucked up. It's like, you guys are going so long. So get off the Mormon topic already. I don't even know what it's doing. Hold on. Let me check here. Well, I'm going to keep talking about it. <laughs> Wait, yeah. my computer's all fucked up. Yeah, Dean won't talk about his shit. 
which I'm is like, so interesting. What'd you do to your fucking computer? I don't know. It's like. Too quiet. It's not responding. What was the website? No, my program isn't responding. Like audacity. Seth. Oh shit. Yeah. The one we recorded. Did it overgo time? Don't time cap. No, it's not. It's just, it's not responding. Like the program itself. Is it still recording? I don't know. Oh God. Hit pause. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. I can't. I can't do anything. The the whole fucking deal's fucking. Damn it, dude! If we lose this whole recording, I'm gonna be so bummed. I know. It's such a good one. Okay, hold on, hold on. No, we're still going. Oh my god! We're still alive. <laughs> so awkward. Okay. All right. Fucking okay. A. Fucking Next a. question. Moving on. Let's move on. Oh, okay. All right. Number seven. Uh huh. A history of unfulfilled revelations. Interesting. All right. Here you go. You ready? Sure. The church has had a poor track record with revelations not coming true. Some of these were about a temple being built in Missouri. Joseph's son to succeed him as leader of the church. Yep. The success at Zion's camp and the timing of the second coming of Christ, to name a few. Yeah. The church generally brushes these under the rug and doesn't talk about them. What do you know? First of all, I didn't know that Joseph Smith's son was supposed to take over for the church. That would be off kilter for um, the prophet being called of God, right? Because it's obviously just a handoff down. Fucking nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Brigham Young took over because Brigham Young was his right-hand man. And that's pretty much how it's gone since then. If you're in the first quorum, if you're... You are in the first or second counselor to the prophet of the church, the president of the church, depending on who you ask. Then there's also, <laughs> then there's, and or the member of the 12, the quorum of the 12. Then you're more than likely to become prophet if you just live long enough. That's fair. Well, it sounds like you don't know much about that shit. Well, like, it, <laughs> Well, unfulfilled revelations, bro. The, like, big, what, what there was know, always in, excuses. In your, life, in your lifetime, were there revelations that came out that just didn't come true, that they had some kind of fucking excuse for, or what? I'm sure, but I'm, I'm sure I just believed it and put it in the back of my head. That's fair. All right. Well, then we'll move on. That's fine. I, I'm, I'm curious about this one. Number eight is the Book of Abraham. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The official church story was that one of their books of scripture, the book of Abraham, was written on papyrus by Abraham Abraham himself and later translated by Joseph Smith through the use of seer stones. However, after many, many, many scholars and translations putting that story to the test, the church's account has failed miserably. The church now regards the Brook of Abraham as a good metaphorical story and one which cannot be verified or denounced. When did they publish that? They instruct their members to regard the book as scripture or not, depending on which story you choose to believe. 
Yeah, since fucking when? What do you know about the Book of Abraham? Book of Abraham, according to my memory, is part of like the Doctrine and Covenant section. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember much off the top of my head, but no, it was during my time in the church. It was never. It is a scripture, but it's more metaphorical. Like nothing about the scriptures was metaphorical whatsoever. It was only ever taken literally. As scripture. Yes, as scripture. Yes, 100%. No mistakes. And do you have a copy of the book of Abraham? It's in my upstairs seminary scriptures. Okay. Can you give us a synopsis? No, not off the top of my head. That's fair. See, these this Book of Mormon that they hand out to non-Mormons does not include the Doctrine and Covenants because it yeah. would scare the shit out of me. I know. Everybody. I had to pull that shit off the internet. So your your parents gave <clears throat> me that book. Oh, surprise, surprise. Um, and uh, so, of course, I did the skim through. Every Mormon household has at least 10 of these. I did the dubs. overview. Yeah. And of course, I was even more curious so because Googled it. That's just me. Yep. Um, so, like a little bit of back history on me is I, Seth, was raised very Christian. Yeah. You read the Bible a lot. Uh, when we got in trouble as children, we read the Bible or rewrote chapters or we wrote book reports. On different books of the Bible. Yep. I'm pretty well versed in the Old Testament. (laughs) Yeah. I got in trouble a lot. That's where I feel like it's a little unfair. One, you got in trouble a lot, and so you had to be well versed. Secondly, you only had the Old Testament and the New Testament to study. (laughs) That was only half of my fucking studies. (laughs) So the amazing thing is, is when Brooke's mother gifted me with the Book of Mormon, I I did this. I don't think she ever thought you would read it. I did the skim through. Uh, never read it like fully, but one thing that I will tell you is it read like a story. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I'll tell you is that it led to a lot of questions. Yeah, and of course, being an age of AOL online adult, I began to Google all of the things. Yeah, uh, which I found a digital copy of the Doctrine of Governments. Covenants. I've had some whiskey. Okay. And um <laughs> it really doesn't matter at this point. No, nope. I, I, I read the Doctrine and Covenants uh thoroughly, much more thoroughly than I read the Book of Mormon. Well you kinda have to. Um, because they were a lot more in depth and it was a lot more like OSHA guidelines. Like yep. I felt like I was reading OSHA CFRs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's real strict. There was another one that I read, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, Fuck. What the hell was it called? It was like another ad hoc appendices to the the Book of Mormon. Yep. It wasn't the Doctrine and Covenants. It was... Pearl of Great Price. Oh, fuck, Fuck. yeah. Yeah. Fuck, I hate (laughs) I remember that. I hate that I remember that. Yeah, so I read parts of that, too, and I was like, what the... Fuck is this shit? Like, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> it was crazy I because about Brooke's it. mom was really hard up. Like, she had like a hard on for converting me to the Mormon Church for a Anyone. while. Anyone. Um, it's but, surprising that the Mormons don't keep track of how many people they convert. Because you think it, 
the way that they act about it, you feel like oh, yeah. they would. I used to love Mormon missionaries. I used do. to love to talk to the missionaries. That was back before the missionaries that showed up weren't like little fagels. <laughs> yeah, like you know, like the first group of missionaries that ever showed up to our house were just like really fun, like super cool nice guys. people. Yeah, and you know they they understood that I wasn't a Mormon. Yep. you know, and they were just cool to hang out with. I I still have. Uh, the Samoan cats tie upstairs. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot well, about that. We exchanged that. ties. I yeah. gave him one of mine. And, uh, he gave me his. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a really, a really neat un- gesture, unique and cool gesture, yeah. you know, which obviously is traditional of his homeland um, as a giving of a gift. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that cultural exchange. Uh, all the missionaries after that, I was like, get the fuck out of my house. I know. Once, once <laughs> you, you meet like a shit. cool missionary, you're like, the rest are just trash. Uh, so there was a missionary who came and served in our ward twice. So because you cycle through like three to six months at a time and it's supposed to be three months at a time and you can get extended. So this dude was extended like for six months and then left to Fairbanks and then came back or something like that. He was a creep. And then he tried adding me on Facebook a couple of years later. And I was creepy. like, nope. Fuck that so guy. fucking creepy. Um, I want to polish this Anyways. off before we get too much more tanked. Um, BT Dubs. Brooke's been drinking vodka. And yep. I have been drinking the uh, Johnny Walker Black. Um, so... Excuse our slurs. What? Yeah. Anyway, um, so I'm pickle red. The number nine Kay. disavowed doctrines. Oh boy. <laughs> In addition to the priesthood doctrine mentioned above, the church has had to disavow and distance itself from other rogue statements by its prophets. A few of these are Brigham Young's revelations on blood atonement and the Adam-God doctrine. Just look them up and you'll see why it caused controversy within and outside the church and therefore had to be silenced. Brooke, what is the blood atonement? I literally just learned about it. Really? Yeah. What is it? It's a thought process that you have done something so wicked that the only way you are able to atone for it is by spilling blood on the ground aka death um and the only death. way that's my understanding now mind you i literally just learned about this well i'm doing some google work right now i'm just curious as to what your understanding is i just watched under the banner of heaven and that's the first time i heard of it not the first time. It's definitely not the first time I had heard of it before, but in like very, very vagueness and never explained. Well, let's see. What Should we say? do the Encyclopedia of Mormonism by Brigham Young or Wikipedia? By Brigham Young. Okay. All right. So the author of this article is Lowell M. Snow. <laughs> Sorry. Why is that funny? President Snow was one of the prophets. Okay. That's probably a, a generation. So, 
Uh, the, the doctrines of the Church affirm that the atonement wrought by the shedding of blood of Jesus Christ, of Son of God, is efficacious. Why can't I pronounce that word? Efficacious? Probably because I've been drinking. Probably. For the sins of all who believe, mm-hmm. repent, are baptized by one having authority, and receive the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands. However, if a person thereafter commits a grievous sin, such as the shedding of innocent blood, the Savior's sacrifice alone will not absolve the person of the consequences of the sin. Only by voluntarily submitting to whatever penalty the Lord may require can that person benefit from the atonement of Christ. Several early church leaders, most notably Brigham Young, taught that in a complete theocracy the Lord would require a voluntary shedding of a murderer's blood, presumably by capital punishment, as part of the process of atonement such as a grievous sin. This was referred to as a blood atonement. Since such a theocracy has not been operative in modern times, the practical effect of the idea was its use as a rhetorical device to heighten the awareness of Latter-day Saints of the seriousness of murder and of other major sins. This view is not a doctrine of the Church and has never been practiced by the Church at any time. Early anti-Mormon writers charged that under Brigham Young the Church practiced a blood atonement by which they meant Church-instigated violence directed at dissenters, enemies, and strangers. This claim distorted the whole idea of blood atonement, which was based on voluntary submission by an offender, into a supposed justification of involuntary punishment. Occasional isolated acts of violence that occurred in areas where Latter-day Saints lived were typically that period in the history of the American West. Oh, were typical of that period of the American West, but they were not instances of church-sanctioned blood atonement. Mm-hmm. Sounds like bullshit. Yep. Sounds like Brigham Young was killing people and justifying it with blood atonement. According to exmormon.org. Oh, that's the one I used. <laughs> oh, wow, this is a long article. Well, in fact, the Mormons Blah, 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 blah. Frequently alleged that the leaders of the church sanctioned the practice of putting both Gentiles and Mormon apostates to death. In 1969 through 1970, we made a detailed study of the charges and published our conclusions in the book entitled The Mormon Kingdom, Volume 2. The evidence that we marshaled convinced us that many of the claims were genuine. Since doing this research we found even more evidence to verify that there was a conspiracy to destroy dissenters and other people that the Mormon leaders hated. Yep. Um, so, I don't know. It's up in the air. So now, this doesn't surprise me. Because if you think of like that day and age and what was common back then, because it was, right? And then men with power... Weak men with power do evil things. Yeah. And, but like growing up in the church, like if you had ever said blood atonement, I had no clue what the fuck you were talking about or why. And then if you were ever to accuse Brigham Young or any of the prophets of 
sanctioning or saying yes to or any sort of justifying of any kind of murder, I would have said absolutely not. That's anti-Mormon literature. What about the Adam God theory? Adam God theory I'm still super unfamiliar with. I was never taught or told anything about that. All right. The Adam God theory is a controversial concept within Mormonism. The body of the doctrine held by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Adam God concept was first proposed by Brigham Young, the successor to LDS founder Joseph Smith. Young insisted that Adam was God the Father, most notably in a servant sermon given in in 1852. Now hear it, O inhabitants of the earth, Jew and Gentile, saint and sinner. When our father, Adam, came into the Garden of Eden, he came into it with a celestial body and brought Eve, one of his wives, with him. Yep. He helped to make and organize the world. He is Michael, the archangel, the ancient of days about whom holy men have written and spoken. He is our Father and our God, and the only God with whom we have to do. Jesus, our elder brother, was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the Garden of Eden, and who is our Father in heaven. Now let all who may hear these doctrines pause before they make light of them, or treat them with indifference, for they will prove their salvation or damnation, cited from a sermon by President Brigham Young, delivered in the Tabernacle, Great Salt Lake City, April 9, 1852. Isn't it crazy that at the end of that, he goes, let those who question this pause and question themselves, for your questioning of this will determine your eternal salvation or damnation. Unique. Not unique. Very frequent. Well, even it says here later on in this article that I got from gotquestions.org, uh, Adam God Theory, Mormonism.html. What is the Adam God Theory in Mormonism? That's the question. Uh, it says here, even at the time it was first presented, the Adam God Theory was controversial, yet Young and other LDS prophets defended it and continued to make references to the idea. However, the Adam-God theory never gained as much popularity as other LDS doctrines. In contrast to other distinctive aspects of Mormon theology, the Adam-God theory was never solidified as an official formal teaching of the Church. Modern LDS apologists attempt to brush aside Young's teachings as a misrecorded sermon, a misunderstanding, or mm-hmm. simply an errant belief by one man. Yep. Um... So I remember reading part of that in the CES letter about four years, five years ago. Hmm. Brooke, I'm going to ask you one last controversial thing. Go for it. This is number 10 on the controversy list. Okay. Do you recognize the name Mark Hoffman? Somewhat. Okay. And now we read. Okay. Number 10, Mark Hoffman. According to the top10s.com, mm-hmm. these boys, religion, biggest controversies, Mormon LDS church. Here we go. Ready. He was a master forger who created false documents and then sold to the church. 
While it wasn't the church's fault directly that they were duped, the fact that a member of the LDS Church Presidency, the soon-to-become-prophet Jordan B. Hinckley, was fooled by him, raises doubt about the heavenly discernment one would expect from a church leader. Members of the church leadership would personally verify the forgeries as genuine, only to be proven wrong by experts. Just look him up on Wikipedia. I do know that name. The only reason I know the name is from the documentary. So. And then watching clips of Gordon B. Hinckley about it was insane to me because Gordon B. Hinckley was my favorite prophet. He was the prophet when I was young and when I was like, I think until I was like 13. Would you like to hear what Wikipedia has to say about Mark Hoffman? Yes. Okay. Mark Hoffman. Mark William Hoffman, born December 7th, 1954, is an American counterfeiter, forger, and convicted murderer. Widely regarded regarded as one of the most accomplished forgers in history, Hoffman is especially noted for his creation of documents related to the history of the Latter-day Saints movement. They paid a fuck ton for him. When his schemes began to unravel, he constructed bombs to murder three people in Salt Lake City, Utah. The first two bombs killed two people in October 15, 1985. On the following day, a third bomb exploded in Hoffman's car. He was arrested for the bombings three months later and in 1987 pleaded guilty to two counts of second-degree murder, one count of theft by deception, and one count of fraud. Yep. Um, the forgeries that he created were the Anthem transcript forgery. In 1980, Hoffman claimed that he found a 17th century King James Bible with a folded paper gummed inside. The document seemed to be the transcript that Smith's scribe Martin Harris had presented to Charles Anthon, yeah. a Columbia Classics percep- professor in 1828. According to the Mormon scripture, Joseph Smith history, the transcript and its unusual reformed Egyptian characters were copied by Smith from the golden plates yeah. from which he translated the Book of Mormon. Uh, that was something I was taught about. Was it? Those, yeah, that. Hmm. Another one that he did. Not the fact that it was a scam, but the fact that there was a paper that had those. Well, it was a scam, apparently. Yeah, apparently it was a scam. (laughs) Uh, Another one that he did was Joseph Smith, the third blessing. During the early 1980s, a significant number of new Mormon documents came into the marketplace. Sometimes the church received these donations, received these as donations, and others had purchased. According to the Ostlings, the church publicized some of the acquisitions. It orchestrated public relations for some that were known to be sensitive, others it acquired secretly and suppressed. In 1981, Hoffman presented the LDS Church with a document that supposedly provided evidence that Smith had designated his son, Joseph Smith III, rather than Brigham Young, as his successor. In a forged cover letter purportedly written by Thomas Bullock, as dated January 27, 1865, Bullock chastises Young for having all copies of the blessing destroyed. Bullock writes that 
Although he believes Young to be the legitimate leader of the LDS Church, he would keep his copy of the blessing. Such a letter, if true, would portray Young and, by extension, the LDS Church an unfavorable light. Yep. As fakes. Another one was the Salamander Letter. So I've heard of this. Yeah, well, perhaps the most famous of Hoffman's Mormon forgeries, forgeries, the Salamander Letter appeared in 1984. Supposedly written by Martin Harris to W.W. Phelps, the letter presented a version of the recovery of the golden plates that contrasted markedly with the church-sanctioned version of the events. Not only did the letter intimate intimate that Smith had been practicing money-digging through magical practices, but it also replaced the angel that Smith said had appeared with him with a white salamander. Yeah. After the letter had been purchased for the church and became public knowledge, LDS Church Apostle Dallin H. Oaks yep, asserted to Mormon educators the words white salamander could be reconciled with Smith's angel Moroni because in the 1820s the word salamander might also refer to a mythic being thought to be able to live in fire. And being that it is able to live in fire is a good approximation of the description Joseph Smith gave of the angel Moroni. Fucking shit, dude. <laughs> there's a there's a bunch. Like he's got his whole he's got his whole Wikipedia page. Um a lot of footnotes, a lot of references, a lot of bibliographies and sources and external links. This dude seems like a legit motherfucker. Uh, (laughs) And the church recognized him for a long time. Yep, they did. So, um, on our top 10 biggest controversies uh, from the top10s.com, Mark Hoffman was number 10. Brooke? That's simply the church doctrine controversies. Not church actions. So, like, when I, I remember all the time when I'd have problems with, like, members of the church or bishops or anything like that. It was very much so, like, the church is true, but the church members are imperfect. I think at a later time, you and I will discuss your church experience. Oh, for sure. For right now, I'm, I, I've just been bouncing these off you because I wanted to see what... What I knew? <laughs> no. What they teach. Yeah. Right? Yep. What they taught. You know, the, the, ter- the, the church that I grew up in teaches us that God created us in, our, in his own image. Mm-hmm. But the biblical translation that I've come to know after being an adult says that God created us in their image. Ah. See, that goes hand in hand with kind of with how I was taught. Like... Like, we were always taught that there was a Heavenly Mother. Like, I can... I can read it to you. I like 
It, no, it, I believe it, you. I hear what you're saying. And it for some people, it changes everything about them, their thought process for what God is. Well, it, it, it really and truly does. Like if you... If you go to Genesis in in the New King James Version of the Bible, you know, it, it talks about God said, let there be light, let there be firmament, let there be earth, you know, all mm-hmm. these things. Um, and, and then it says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and everything that lives on the earth. Like, so this is like a multi-stage thing. First of all, do you believe that there was an our image? So who is he referring to in the our subject and or in the multi-translations of the current Bible? Did it get mistranslated? Well, that's what I want to know because in verse 26 it says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God speaks of himself in a plurality. So don't you think that, so if God is all-powerful and the only being, don't you think it, he wouldn't, like he's he's asexual in that fact, right? To where like he could reproduce on his own. But why, so would, he, but why would he refer to himself in the plurality? I think part of it has to do with the fact that anytime a human is alone for a long period of time, so they speak themselves in third people. Third person. No? Maybe, but I mean... I think it was simply a conversation God was having with himself. God created man and woman. Right? So wouldn't you... God created both. Wouldn't it it make more sense if God created us in our image? That there was two of them? That there were two. At a bare minimum? Female. At a bare minimum. And... There would have had to have been two. And or and and then and then to say so God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. So the first line is let us make man in our image according to our likeness. But then you go down and he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And then he said, male and female, he created them. Another plurality. Mm -hmm. So would that not insinuate that there's more than one? Yes and no. Why would you say no? I would say no, simply for playing devil's advocate, because it's my favorite. Um, I would say no, simply because kill me. If you were a being that was capable of reproducing, don't you fucking dare push that button. I'm gonna punch you in the face, sir. 
and you're capable of. I'm gonna put you in the face. <laughs> in the goddamn face. I had to do it because you threatened me. You threatened me. Anyways. Brooke, we've been at this for two hours. We can be done. I don't have to finish. No, I want to hear it. Okay, yeah, there you go. So, if you were a creature that could create two different... <gasps> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, dude. No, I want to hear it. No, I don't want to no, hear it. Now. I want to hear it. If you were a creature that could create two of your own species, mm-hmm. but split basically split yourself in half so that they could then create more and multiply like starfish mm-hmm. wouldn't you not call let's make them in our image because you even though one being are capable of being two i would argue that starfish are asexual yeah and males and females of the human species are not are not Fair enough. So if God created us in their image and it was to be like a starfish. Then we would be wouldn't, asexual. Wouldn't we all be transvestites? Yeah, fair enough. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, you're right. I've thoroughly discussed Mormonism with you tonight. It's a lot. I enjoyed it. Good. We have a lot more to discuss in future episodes. Oh, yeah. um, we would definitely love to uh, fucking hear from you. Uh, if you have insights into our discussion on Mormonism, because you either are a currently practicing Mormon uh, or a currently expert Mormon who needs no practice or an ex-Mormon who hates the practice of Mormonism, please. And or has questions. Yeah, definitely. Please reach out to us. Send us a message on our Instagram, which is, uh, how was your day, 2021? Yeah. Um, we're there. We're here for you. Um, if you need moral support. Um, for sure. We don't We don't actually fucking care about you as a human being. <laughs> but we But we pretend to. For those out there whose shelf might be about to break, you can reach out. Yeah, for reals. My wife is a solid source of information and, um, and you know, a shoulder um, to cry on, whether you still are or are not a LDS believer. Because she, well, believes in you, <laughs> no matter what. No matter which way you want to go. She's going to try and talk you out of it, but... No, I'm just going to ask questions. She loves you anyway. Just make sure you know what you're doing. Um, But thanks for listening. I know it was long. It was Sorry. drawn out. It was savage. <laughs> um, so long. We love you guys, though. You know, happy fucking August 14th, 2022. We'll see you next time. Good Anything night. else, Brooke? Good night. Good night. I love it.